Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, for 14 and a half months, we've been on this journey through the Gospel of John. Two weeks left this week and one more. All good things must come to an end. For me, this ending comes with a little bit of sadness. But along with the sadness comes a sense of anticipation because I really believe that in these next two weeks, God's going to speak to you. He's going to challenge you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to inform you. He's going to change you. So let's jump into John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. The scene is set. Here we go. Later on that day, the disciples had gathered together, but fearful of the Jews had locked all the doors in the house. Jesus entered, stood among them, and said, peace to you. Then he showed them his hands and side. You know, the command that Jesus gave his followers more than any other command was this, love one another. Over and over again, love one another. In fact, Jesus went as far as to say this, I want the defining characteristic of your life. I want your calling card to be, I want you to be known for one thing if you follow me, and that one thing is love. And that's why I find it so cool that these disciples are gathered this day doing just that. They're loving one another. One of the ways you love one another is to gather together. What a day that must have been, you know? This is Easter Sunday. Start out with so much sadness. You know, they're sitting in that room realizing Jesus is dead. My best friend, my teacher, my hope is gone, so they're in this room, but the day kind of drags on, and some rumors start to circulate. Wait, wait a minute. Someone said the stone is rolled away, and, and that the tomb is empty. What? Yeah, yeah, and then Mary Magdalene shows up, and she's like, no, I saw him. Like, he's actually alive, and some of them believe Mary Magdalene. I think a few didn't, you know, but, but, but then Peter shows up, and Peter says, I met him face to face. Jesus' mom and a few of her relatives met Jesus face to face after his resurrection. Two disciples on the road to Emmaus talked to Jesus and came back and reported the news. And so you can imagine this day that started with so much sadness ended in celebration. It's probably important to note, by the way, when we read a word like disciple, we think of like the 12 disciples. But especially after the resurrection of Jesus, disciple is a term given to everyone who followed Jesus, okay? Because scholars predict that there was about 50 people gathered that day. 50 people gathered in an upper room. Many suggest that it was the same upper room where Jesus hosted the Last Supper. And so this day that started out with so much sadness for these 50 people ends up with an incredible amount of celebration. He didn't just face death in the grave. He defeated them. Everything he said he did, he's alive. And this incredible, probably the greatest party, the greatest celebration in all of human history happened in that little room with those 50 people. Absolutely unbelievable. They gathered together to remember Jesus, to magnify Jesus, and to celebrate Jesus. In, In other words, in that upper room with those 50 people, what we have is we have the first church service after the resurrection of Jesus. And what I want to do today is I want to take that church service and see if there's some things that you and me can learn in our church services today from that first one. Reminds me of a story. 
There's a family of four, and every single Sunday morning, they wake up and they go to church. Husband, wife, and the two kids, it's just what they do. It's their routine, it's their schedule, it's their habit, you know? But on one particular Sunday morning, the husband gets up and he looks at his wife and he says, I'm not going to church. She's like, well, what do you mean? It's our habit, it's our schedule, it's our routine, it's what we do. He says, no, I'm not going. She says, why? I'll give you three reasons, he says. Number one, I don't like the building. It just bugs me. I just get mad when I look at the building. Okay? Like, I, I, I don't like the people. That's my second reason. And here's my third reason. They don't like me. She's like, well, you know what? You are going to church, buddy. And I'll give you three reasons of why you are going. Number one, I'm up and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Number two, the kids are up and they're ready to go. Number three, you're the pastor and people expect you to be there. <laughs> the first church service after the resurrection of Jesus happens in that little room with those 50 people. What can we learn about our church services today? It, it should be noted, by the way, that the word church actually uh, comes from the Greek word ecclesia. Ecclesia. We translate it church. And what it means, it means called out gathering, called out gathering. It's a, it's a group of people who are called out of the world, so to speak, called out of the hustle, called out of the bustle, called out of the stress and the struggle, and called together to magnify Jesus, to remember Jesus, to celebrate Jesus, called out of the world to gather. That's what was happening there. And it's kind of interesting to note, isn't it, that as they're remembering Jesus, as they're magnifying Jesus, as they're celebrating Jesus, guess who showed up? Jesus showed up. 2,000 years ago, when they were called out of the world and gathered together to love one another and to magnify, remember, and celebrate Jesus, Jesus showed up. The same thing is true today. Let me say that again because I just made an incredibly bold claim. When you magnify Jesus, when you gather together to celebrate Jesus, when you, when you come together to remember Jesus, he shows up. And that's a bold claim. I, I want to explain it a little bit by talking about three levels of the presence of God, three levels of the presence of God. The, the first level is God's omnipresence. God's omnipresence. What it basically means is God is everywhere. God is everywhere. Psalm 139 says it this way. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. God's omnipresence says God is everywhere, okay? Second level of God's presence is God's inner presence, right? That when you, when you believe in Jesus, when you put your faith in Jesus, in that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. You go from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. That connection that you've lost with the source of all things with God is reconnected. It's reestablished. The Holy Spirit is with you, is inside of you. So the second level of God's presence is God's inner presence. 1 Corinthians 6 explains it this way. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. So the Holy Spirit is, is in you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Holy Spirit empowers you, guides you, 
counsels you and comforts you. So we have three levels of God's presence. Level one, God's omnipresence. God is everywhere. Level two, God's inner presence. God is inside of me. God is with me no matter what. But here's the third level. Listen, God's manifest presence. Now, maybe you've heard the word manifest before. means all kinds of things, all different connotations in our culture. But in the Bible, what manifest means is made known. So God's manifest presence means this. God's made known presence. God makes himself known in a unique and powerful way. There's a few examples in the Bible. In the Old Testament, we see this story where the Israelites, they're in bondage in Egypt. They're enslaved and they call out to God and they're like, God, would you please free us? And God answers their prayer by calling this guy named Moses. Moses isn't in Egypt though. He's in a place called Midian and he's looking after a bunch of sheep in a field. And he looks over and he sees this bush and it's burning, but it's not being consumed. You know what I mean? Like the, the flame is there, but the bush is remaining intact. And Moses is like, it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Okay. And he, and he walks over to check it out and God speaks to Moses. God makes himself known to Moses. He says, Moses, I'm sending you back to Egypt. You're going to set your people free from bondage. And Moses is like, no, no, I can't. I'm, I'm terrible. And, and, and God says, no, no, Moses, you don't get it. I am who I am, and I'm going to go with you, and I'm chosen you, and I'm going to empower you. God makes himself known to Moses. His manifest presence is right there in the burning bush. Pretty cool moment. There's these three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're Jewish kids who were taken from Jerusalem, brought to Babylon. And the king of Babylon, his name is King Nebuchadnezzar, he makes this massive gold statue of himself. Because why wouldn't he, you know? And, and there's a rule that says, you got to bow down to this gold statue. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were like, no, can't do it. Can't do it. Can't bow down to that gold statue. We only bow down to God. So Nebuchadnezzar loses it. He's like, well, that's the last thing you'll ever do. So he grabs Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, I'm gonna throw you in this fiery furnace. He's so mad, by the way, he heats the fiery furnace up to seven times as hot as it normally is, and he throws the three in there, and Nebuchadnezzar is up in this high spot, and he's watching to see these guys just be consumed, right? But he looks, and they're just walking around. You know, they're like, wow, it's balmy in here. It's nice. I'm enjoying the, the time, right? So these three guys are just walking around the fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm going to count this. One, stop moving. Two, two, there's four. There's four people in that furnace. I put three. I put Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who's the fourth? The fourth is the manifest presence of God. God's presence was there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. He made himself known, not only to the three boys, but to the king. King Nebuchadnezzar actually put his faith in God that day. He was a snap show, though. This is what King Nebuchadnezzar, this is the rule he came up with. He's like, if you don't believe in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God, you get chopped up, he really said this, you get chopped up into little pieces, and we're going to burn your house down. I'm wondering, like, what do they care? They're chopped up into little pieces. Now you're going to burn their house down too. You know, it's kind of, he's a snap show. But, but here's the point. That's God's manifest presence. Makes himself known. In, in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 14, there's this story. Maybe you've heard of it before. The disciples of Jesus, the 12 disciples we're talking about now, they're, they're struggling to get across the Sea of Galilee in their boat. 
They're just not making much headway at all. Jesus has stayed behind to pray, but in the middle of the night, they look over, and, and guess who's there? It's Jesus, and he's walking on the water. It's like, this is crazy. And Peter's like, hey, Jesus, can I give it a crack? And Jesus is like, sure, Peter, come on out and try it. And so Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking, takes a few steps. It's going great, loses his faith, and sinks. Jesus grabs him, brings him into the boat, and the second that they get into the boat, it says that the storm is completely calm. Now listen, this is important. The disciples who have been with Jesus for months and months and months at this point, in that moment, it says, they said, oh, surely this is the Son of God. Now they get it. Why? Because Jesus made himself known in that moment, his manifest presence, right? Well, four chapters later in that same gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says this. I tell you the truth. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I will make myself known to them. His manifest presence. I think it's pretty amazing. When we gather together to magnify Jesus, to celebrate Jesus, to remember Jesus, he shows up in a unique and powerful way. Because sometimes we can look back and we go, man, how cool would it have been to be Moses? You know, you're walking around this field in Midian and you're like, wow, cool, a bush and it's burning and there's God. And it's like, I would have wet my pants, but maybe you would have thought it was cool, okay? But you think to yourself, what an amazing thing to experience, right? You're experiencing it right now. No, this is it. This is your burning bush moment. Jesus promises that he will make himself known in a unique and powerful way when we call out of the hustle and bustle of our lives and gather together to magnify him, to remember him, and to celebrate him. This is a burning bush moment. This is a spectacular moment. I know Dave was grinding your gears earlier about showing up on time for church, you know? We should have just changed services and not told anybody. It would have been a fun experiment, but that's not, no, 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 but that's not the point. Because I was walking by the window and I saw the lineup. I saw the car, like, and I want to say, well done. Well done. I know it would be great if you came on time because the music is really incredible. You know, some of you are like, they have music at church? We do, we do. It's, every service starts out with music. It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> Where was I? Oh, yeah. So I wonder, because for me, like we sang that song earlier about we just kind of like, we just get in a routine, you know what I mean? But, but I wonder if for you and for me, what would happen if we made a decision that we just walked into this spectacular moment like it was a burning bush? God, I'm ready. God, I'm ready. I'm ready, I'm ready. Make yourself known to me today. Like, I know you already, but make yourself known even better today. What an incredible opportunity we have. We see it every week, you know? People come walking through those doors and they tell us story after story after story after story. They walk in and, and they start to cry. Or they feel this sense of home or this sense of joy or this sense of strength. This sense of hope that they haven't felt for years and years and years and years and years. What in the world's going on? Oh, it's simple. God's just making himself known. It's a really, really beautiful thing. You know where the stakes are high Resistance is always fierce. 
I can relate to the guy in the joke that I told a few minutes ago. Maybe you didn't think it was a joke because it wasn't that funny, but remember the guy who didn't want to go to church because he's like, don't like the building, it annoys me. The people don't like me, I don't like the people kind of thing. I find that sometimes when it comes to church, if anything could go wrong in my life, it'll go wrong on a Sunday morning just as about as I'm ready to go to church. If the kids are ever tough to get ready, for ch- ready that it's gonna be on that day, right? If I'm ever gonna have road rage while I'm driving, it might, be, it might just be that, not that I ever would, but you do probably, okay? So you probably struggle with that. I'm just helping you out, right? No, 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 but, 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 but that's, I was gonna say it's natural. It's actually supernatural. Because there's a spirit of darkness in this world, and he would prefer that God doesn't make himself known to you. Because God is light, and God is hope, and God is life. And there's a spirit of darkness, despair, and death that would prefer that you don't have God make himself known to you. Where stakes are high, resistance is always fierce. So I'm going to say it again. Well done. Well done. People say to me sometimes, church for me, Mike, you know what church is for me? Getting outside. Getting outside me and nature. That's awesome, by the way. It's so cool to get outside. It's just not church. Right? Church is a called out gathering. Yeah, yeah, but it's me and my other personalities, Mike. No, that doesn't really count. Like, okay, you should get outside, though. It's so good, especially where we live, you know? Just amazing place to be, to get outside, to remind yourself that there's an artist behind this artistry, there's a, there's a master behind this masterpiece, there's a creator behind the, all of this creation. It's a beautiful thing, but there's something significant, there's something powerful, Jesus says, there's something manifest about this, about this spectacular moment. It was true 2,000 years ago in that upper room with the 50 people, and it's true today for you and me. The disciples, seeing the master with their own eyes, were awestruck. Yeah, I bet. Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you, just as the Father sent me, I send you. Then he took a deep breath and breathed into them. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. If you forgive someone's sins, they're gone for good. If you don't forgive sins, what are you going to do with them? So 2,000 years ago, 50 people in a little room, Jesus shows up. He gives them three things. He gives them peace, he gives them purpose, and he gives them power. See, I, I think he still wants to give you and me, I th- think he still wants to give us peace and purpose and power, because we need it. There's all kinds of people watching online right now, here in person right now, you would say, if you had to pick your greatest need right now, you would say peace. Peace in place of fear in place of stress, in place of chaos, in place of drama, peace instead of anxiety, you know? Jesus promises peace. The Bible calls it a peace that passes understanding, which means this. It means like, so here I am, I'm standing in my life and I have peace, but it doesn't really make sense because according to my understanding, everything out here is not peaceful. See, peace that passes understanding is an inner peace. All kinds of stuff going on here doesn't exist. Like, my ducks aren't in a row. It's not blue skies and clear sailing for me all the time. Like, the people in my life don't always behave the way that I wish that they would behave. The Oilers never win. Okay, so lots of stuff happens. But I got inner peace. That's the kind of peace Jesus offers. A peace that passes understanding. That goes goes deeper even than my circumstances. 
Because I know, I know, I know. Deep down inside of me, Jesus says, deep down inside of you, what I'm gonna give you is I'm gonna give you this incredible assurance that God is with me, God is for me, today, tomorrow, and forever. Jesus is still giving peace. And my prayer for you today specifically, for those of you who need it, is that you would find peace today in this spectacular moment. Second thing that he gives to the people in that upper room that day, 2,000 years ago, is purpose. Purpose. He says, as my father sent me, I'm sending you. That's cool, right? I think it's really cool because... uh, Ecclesia is the called out gathering. We're called out of the world. We're called out of the world to remember Jesus, right? Beautiful thing. But, but then Jesus says, oh yeah, and then after I call you out of the world, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna send you back into the world. I'm gonna call you out of the world, and I'm gonna send you back into the world. In other words, there's a purpose for you. There's a plan for you. Don't we all want that? I want my life to matter, you know? You say, well, you know, what's gonna be written on your tombstone, Mike? What are you gonna write there? I don't know. I told you I was sick. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure what they're gonna write on my tombstone, but, but, but I hope it says something like this. Um, he left this place better than he found it. That'd be all right. That's the plan. Jesus says, you're a sent one. We're sent ones. We're called out of the world, and then we're sent back into the world. It's a big deal. Like, there's a reason why the second that you and I got saved, Jesus didn't bonk us on the head and drag us to heaven. We're sent back into the world. There's a purpose for you. There's a purpose for me. I remember back in 2013, 10 years ago, I was just over 20, and I remember thinking... First person that laughed, ushers, gone. That's the deal. (laughs) So 2013, we kind of came to this conclusion. There's a a reason for Southside Church, right? There's a purpose. You know, we say these things, we are for this city. We are for this city. And I know I'm not doing a good job of explaining it because I think sometimes when I say we are for this city, it's like, yeah, Chilliwack, you know? Like, we're for this city. We're we're on your... But but, but it's deeper than that. And and what what I'm trying to explain is this. It's like... um, uh, what are, you, what, what, what are you here on this planet for? What were you born for? What does this church exist for? Oh, this city. Oh, we're gonna leave this place better than we found it. By God's grace, that's what we're gonna do. One life, one story at a time. That's the plan. And back in 2013, what we started to realize is that we wanted to make it like this a generational movement because we felt like God was calling us not just to make a difference for one generation, but for generations and generations, right? So what we knew is that we needed to stop renting. We were renting office space. We were renting um, youth space where the youth would meet on Wednesdays. We were renting space to meet on Sundays at Sardis Secondary School. So in 2013, we launched something called Game Changer. And that was we wanted to buy a helicopter hangar. Okay, so we bought this helicopter hangar so that we could have our offices and our youth space in a place that we owned. The helicopter hangar. It was like right beside the airport, obviously, and and right behind the casino on Olds Drive. Awesome place. My office, however, was like a storage container with no windows. I went borderline insane for about seven years being there. That's why I am like I am today. Okay, so um, you need need natural light once in a while. Just keep that in the back of your head. Okay, so... um, 
Oh yeah, so Game Changer, 2013. And so I remember getting up on the stage and I'm like, hey, um, we're doing this thing, it's called Game Changer, we need $380,000. Our church at that time, at that size, that was a lot, lot, like a lot, a lot of money. And then I remember saying that we need $380,000, we're gonna buy a hangar, it's gonna be awesome. And the next day, on Monday, the finance team comes to me and says, hey Mike, we made a little bit of an error, what do you mean by that? Well, you actually, we actually need $450,000. So I go back the next Sunday, totally kidding about the 380 thing, funny thing happened, we actually need 450, but it happened, right? So that was 2013, we bought a helicopter hangar. Then 2015, we launched this thing called Bold. Bold. You still see the Bold t-shirts once in a while. You know, based on Joshua chapter one, be bold and strong, banish fear and doubt. Remember the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that was, we wanna keep moving towards like a full-time facility to, to launch this generational movement. But we weren't ready to like just like build a place yet. We just needed to take a next step. And so in 2015, we launched Bold and the goal was that we would, uh, that, that we would raise a million dollars. But then $1.5 million was pledged and $1.8 million was raised. I find bold funny when I look back at it because we had no, like it was just a step. So the vision for bold was basically this. We're gonna build something somewhere, sometime. So if you could please give that, it'd be awesome. But yet we did, we came together, you know? So that was 2015 to 2017. Then in 2019, we launched this thing called More. Okay, More, more help, more hope, more home. Specific, more help, more hope, more home. And the reason why we are so specific about that is because now it was time to build this building, you know? But we had watched other churches, and what can happen sometimes is when you're building a building, it can become all about the building. And that can become like the thing, and that's not the thing. That's never the thing. Where we're sitting right now, this building, it's a tool, that's, that's what it is, right? And so what we did more, we said we wanna double the tangible help budget of this church while we're building a building. And it happened, so that was 2019 to 2021. I think our goal was $6.5 million, $6.8 million was pledged, and $11.3 million came in. And that's why you're sitting where you're sitting right now. So that ran till 2021, and now we're in 2023. And it just hit me this week. I was going stir crazy at the beginning of 2023. I'm like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? I am a little ADHD. Okay, that's true, but I'm like, come on, come on, come on. What are we gonna do? What's next, what's next, what's next? And I kept thinking, what is next, what is next? And I have ideas, I have so many ideas. And I just kept throwing my ideas past God, like, what do you think of this? 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 And he kept saying, no, 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 no. And I said, God, well, do you think maybe I should stop talking and listen a little bit? And he's like, that might not be a bad idea. So that's what I did. And so, I said, God, what, do you, what, what should we do? He said, a culture of invitation. I'm like, what? Culture of invitation. Like, that doesn't sound nearly as exciting as my idea to launch a campus in Fiji. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was like fully committed to that idea. But, but yeah, he said, what we need to do is we need to establish a culture of invitation. And that's what we've tried to launch this year. Like, there's something amazing about this spectacular moment. When we gather, I believe there's an anointing on this gathering. We see people walk in every single week and have their lives radically changed. And so what we decided was just to really establish a culture of invitation. And I should tell you this, I believe invitation always has two steps. Invest first and then invite. Right, I'm, 
I'm running low on time again. You you guys don't listen nearly fast enough, and it's super annoying to me. (laughs) Basically, what it means is this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So it's cool to have coffee, coffee cups that say, be kind, stamped on them. That's cool, right? But not so cool if you're not kind. So, so that's, that's what investment is. It's just trying to actually be kind. Like when we say we're for this city, we want this city to be better off because we're here. I, I, I want us to live such a generous life together that people in our city would look at us and say, man, I don't necessarily agree with what you believe, but I'm sure glad your church is here. Or how about this one? I don't necessarily agree what you, with what you believe, but I can tell by watching the life that you live that you believe what you say you believe. So this year, we're gonna give about a million dollars to tangible help initiatives, which, which is kind of shocking to me because I still remember saying, we need $380,000, but I'm, 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 I'm just really, I'm, I'm really, really proud of us. Well done. Well done. And, and so we want, what we wanna do is we wanna invest. And, and Jesus kind of led the way with that, didn't he? He kind of had a heart for the lost and the lonely, for the hurting and the hopeless, didn't he? And that's what we're always trying to do. We're just looking to help those who need help. In a world that's really quick to shake a fist, we're just here to extend a hand. That's, that's who we're trying to be, just trying to invest. And that's what All Is Bright is. I know Dave already talked to you about it. Last year, the goal was $250,000. This year, it's $350,000. That money's already gone. Well, Mike, what if the money doesn't come in? I don't know. I, I guess we shut down. It hasn't happened yet, though. So here's what I want to invite you to think about. If you're a regular part of Southside Church, if you're a regular attender at Southside Church, let me define that for you. If you've been here for more than one week. (laughs) It would be awesome if you could give. It'd be amazing. Then when we show the video next year, you go, I was part of that. People say, well, no, I'm, I'm gonna volunteer to wrap presents. That's so cool. No, that's awesome. And you should give also. I'm gonna go shopping for gifts. Man, I love it. Thank you so much for doing that. And you should give also. Have you ever heard the phrase, put your money where your mouth is, right? right. Well, Jesus said it this way. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. People see your heart. People see our heart. So what I would love it if you would consider is just, just do something, you know? Let's all do something. I'm not gonna tell you what exactly to do. I mean, last year, a lady walked up to me and she gave me a check for $250,000. And maybe you're thinking, well, that might happen again and they don't have to give, <laughs> then I don't have to give, you know? That's, but that's not how it works. That's not how it works. People say, um, well, like, what if we raise more than $350,000? Then we're gonna bring, here, listen to this, it's crazy. I, I just came up with this, okay? If we bring in more than 350,000, listen to this, tell me what you think of it, okay? If we bring in more than $350,000, this is just spitballing, okay? This is what I think we should do. Let's bring even more help and even more hope and even more home, which means love and connection. That would be cool, right? Because everything we do is about that. Invest and then invite and then invite. We've been inviting our city out to these moments, to these gatherings, you know? And I would just say, let's continue to do that.
Next week, we're winding up this journey through John. Next week is kind of an epilogue, to be honest, because John chapter 21 is the last chapter of John. I've already covered it. But I just, I, 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 want, I wanted to cover it one more time because it's like John chapter 21, like you read through the entire gospel of John and it's like John is saying two things. God is great and God is good. God is great and God is good. I love it, you know? And then John chapter 21, he just adds one little epilogue. And the epilogue is this, even if I'm not. God is good, even if I'm not. Which is really, really good news for me. So next week, I wanna preach about a story that Jesus told once. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. It should be called the parable of the father who runs, but we'll talk about that next week. I guarantee you, you should invite everyone you know to be here. People are gonna meet Jesus next week. And people who know him are gonna come to know him way better next week. But Thomas, sometimes called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we saw the master, but he said, unless I see the nail holes in his hands, put my finger in the nail holes and stick my hand in his side, I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the locked doors, stood among them and said, peace to you. Then he focused his attention on Thomas. Take your finger and examine my hands. Take your hands and stick it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, believe. Thomas said, my master, my God. Jesus said, so you believe because you've seen with your own eyes, even better blessings are in store for those who believe without seeing. Uh, doubting Thomas, that's what they call him, doubting, brutal nickname, right? But awesome guy. Sometimes we make the Bible boring. I told you that last week, I'm gonna tell you again. You make the Bible boring. Because when I said this, the room was locked and Jesus walked in. How did he get there? Have you ever thought about that? The room was locked. Jesus shows up. How did he get in? Well, it's his, it's his post-resurrection body. You should care. You're going to get one. Did he just materialize? Like, can he pick locks? I think, I think he could just walk through walls. And I think when I read it, for some of you, this is what you did. You made it so boring. You're like, Jesus walks through the wall. He's like, peace to you. <laughs> really? Really? Jesus was so passionate. So much joy, right? He, he loved those people. I think he walked, walked in, through, in through the wall and was just like, huh? <laughs> or maybe he just went up behind Peter and put him in a Bartholomew, you know, put him in a headlock and gave him a noogie. No, I'm serious, like that probably. Or maybe he just walked through the wall and stood like off to one side and just waited for everyone to notice him, right? Just, just loving it. But Thomas says, I don't know, I love Thomas, I love him. Brutal nickname, awesome guy. He's a skeptic. Thomas says, I don't think that's true, but I'm gonna find out. I love that, that's what a skeptic says. I don't think that's true, but I'm gonna find out. I love that. If you're a skeptic here today, you're watching online, man, I'm just so proud of you. What a courageous thing to do, to be a truth seeker. I want the truth. Jesus promises that when you seek the truth, you'll find him. Look, look, look. <laughs> There's a man who predicted his death and resurrection, and then he pulled it off. That's not even the best news. This is how John ends chapter 20. Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. These are 
down so you will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in the act of believing, have real and eternal life in the way that he personally revealed it. There's this guy named Jesus. He predicted his death and resurrection, and then he pulled it off. That's good news. You wanna hear better news? He did it for you. That's pretty good news. That when Jesus stepped into human history, he came on a rescue mission. No matter who you are, where you've been, or what you've done, what you've said, what's been said to you, what's been done to you, wherever you find yourself today, know this, Jesus is right with you. He loves you so much. He died on a cross so that your sins could be forgiven. On the cross, he performed something called the beautiful exchange. The beautiful exchange is this. I hand him all my wrong, and he gives me all his right. That's it. If you were the only one in history who needed to be forgiven, he would have died for you. And then he rose again, and I just love that picture. Jesus defeats sin, he defeats death, he defeats the grave, he walks away, and here's his invitation. Hey, 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 follow me. Follow me, follow me, let's go. Let's step into life today, tomorrow, and forever. That's the best news. Let's pray. I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Let me real quick. Is today the day Jesus has done everything that he needed to do. Your forgiveness has been bought. Your salvation has been paid for. Your eternal life is a done deal. All you need to do is accept it. He's great and he's good, even when I'm not. Literally, thank God. He's great and he's good even when you're not too. So if you've never accepted that gift of forgiveness, that gift of eternal life, that gift of salvation, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, you wanna raise your hand right now so I can pray for you, nice and high if you don't mind. Amazing. If you're watching online and it's safe to do so, I'd love it if you could raise your hand. If this is your moment, I love it, I love it, I love it. If your hands are up, you can put them down. I'm gonna pray out loud and I just invite you to pray silently along with me. So Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you came, you died, you rose again for me. Today I hand you all my wrong. And I accept your forgiveness. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I accept a clean slate and a new beginning. Thank you that you died for me and that you rose again for me. I pray that you would give me the strength to follow you into life today, tomorrow, and forever. And Jesus, for everybody here, for the skeptics, for the people that have been in church their whole life, for all of us, I pray three things. God, I pray for peace. I pray for peace in place of worry. I pray for peace in place of anxiety, chaos, drama. I pray for peace. I pray for purpose. God, I just ask that you would just give, a, give us a life that matters in the little things, in the little things. Would we love each other well, please, God? Would we be kind, remembering everyone we know is fighting a great battle? And finally, Jesus, I just pray for power. For those who are feeling overpowered today, watching online or here in person, for those who are feeling defeated and beat up, for those who are feeling overwhelmed, God, I pray for power. Right now in this moment, I pray that you would breathe your Holy Spirit on us. Breathe power 
We love you. We thank you in your name. Amen. Let's celebrate. Two things. Uh, 3.30 today. 3.30 today. I'm back here. We're going to have a big meeting. It's a stakeholders meeting. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you've ever given in the last 12 months to Southside Church, come on out. Let's party. And, and if today I, I convince you to maybe think about stepping out and giving to this all this bright thing, but you've never given before and you give today, well, then give. And then come at 3.30 and let's, let's celebrate together. Other than that, I'll see you next week. I love you guys a lot. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.